Blessings and welcome. We are in Ezekiel scroll 13. Ezekiel and the revelation of the 13 scrolls and Shabbat Shalom. I can't believe I'm finally at the 13th scroll. It comes to us today. Actually, you're going to have to turn all the way back to the beginning of Ezekiel, even though we're at the end of Ezekiel, because scroll 13 is actually in the Masoretic text. And this will blow your mind because it turns everything prophetically on its head. It comes to us from chapter 1 and includes verse 1. Now then verse 2 and 3 is actually a descriptive docket that was added to the text later. And you'll see that that's in the third person. That's not part of our vision. And then the vision commences again in verses 4 and extends all the way through to chapter 7, verse 27. So Ezekiel and the revelation of the 13 scrolls comes to us. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1, and extends all the way through Ezekiel chapter 7 and verse 27. But you'll notice verse 2 and 3 is a descriptive docket that was added later. So what is the overarching theme of Scripture? I mean, if we were just to think of all of our years of studying in the Word together, what is the overarching theme of Scripture? From the time, of course, of Moshe Rabbeinu, Remember the scripture that's given to us in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. I will raise up a prophet like unto you, and you shall heed his words. And then later on, we have the prophets. Of course, we have Jeremiah, Daniel, the prophet Ezekiel. And then there's this period of silence. And then along comes the greatest of prophets before Yahusha, and that is, of course, John the Immerser. So what is this overarching theme that the prophets, including John the Immerser, John the Baptist, spoke about? Because this is the overarching theme of this 13th vision. Ezekiel. He's gone to the river Chebar. He's had 12 visions prior to this, spoken 12 prophetic messages, delivered 12 prophetic scrolls. And has Israel repented? Have they returned, the Hebrew word, shuv, have they returned, teshuvah, the Hebrew word there, to return to Yahuwah? No, they haven't. So now this is the climactic, end. This is the 13th vision. But within this vision, of course, we have the most famous of Ezekiel's vision, the vision of the wheels. So here we are with this prophetic vision. And before I delve into it, think about a dream. When you have a dream, when I have a dream, what is a dream really? It's really a, a technicolored potpourri of everything that maybe has gone on that day or that week or in a period of our life that then 
comes together in all kind of manner of way in our sleep state as our subconscious tries to work out what's going on. This is what we're going to see in this this 13th scroll is Ezekiel is having a vision or a dream and everything that he's communicated, everything that he's experienced with the elders of Israel, these past 12 visions, 12 scrolls, now comes forward in this climactic dream, this potpourri, if you will, of all of his prior messages now builds to this final, final climax of judgment this final climax of judgment and the overarching message is shuv the root of teshuvah to return to repent that's the message of the prophets that was the climactic message of john the immerser repent Will you repent? Will you turn back to Yahuwah? What does it say in 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 6? Return to me and I will return to the remnant of you. There's the key phrase. Not only will Yahuwah return to us, but there's only going to be a few of us that will actually shoot, that will repent that will return and by designation then we are the remnant. Return to me and I will return to the remnant of you. This is a priestly return that in turn renders a priestly judgment. So to encapsulate this vision, this 13th vision, it's a priestly return that in turn renders a priestly judgment. And we're to turn, return to Yahuwah, but really now, seasonally, we're to turn against the culture. If we're going to return to Yahuwah, then we're going to turn our back on the culture. Which means, you know, right now, turning our back on the culture and the nonsense of the Christmas season on the nonsense of syncretism, on the nonsense of not following his commands. Turn our back on the new world order. Yes, turn our back on the globalists. We have to turn our back on the world so that we can face Yahuwah and walk in his commands and therefore be the designated remnant that he returns to himself. That's the message, a priestly return that in turn renders a priestly judgment. And to return, shuv, teshuvah. What do we return to? We have to return to Yahuwah's Shabbats, to his feasts, to Yahuwah's cycles by us turning our backs on the cycles of the world. Choose this day who you will serve. I want to return to Yahuwah. That means I have to turn my back on the things of the world. And this is a last vision. The last vision that Ezekiel delivers. And a dream, a dream of all that has gone before with an overarching judgment message.
So let's dig in. And we're only going to get five verses deep today because there's a lot to dig into. There's so much unveiling and revelation that, quite frankly, I, I've been overwhelmed with the reality and the power of this 13th vision. And my life has been transformed just by going through the 13 scrolls because I've had to. Quite honestly, it's been, um, I was somewhat intimidated just to begin this. 40 old chapters, 13 visions, 13 scrolls, that's an immense work. But Yahuwah has enabled me and prepared me through this to be able to now feel confident and qualified to delve into the book of Revelation here in the next season here at Torah to the Tribes. So Yahuwah is sovereign and we just follow his ways and he leads us into green pastures. Scroll 13, open your Bibles to Ezekiel in the Masoretic Text, chapter 1. This is a priestly commission of judgment discharged as rebellious Israel has rejected the constitution set forth. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, on the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar that the heavens were opened and I saw the visions of Elohim. Now verse 2 says, In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year, king of King Yehoahim's exile. Now that right there is the descriptive docket. Chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It's the only date not affixed by Ezekiel. It's a descriptive scribal tab that you'll notice it was written in the third person. Now remember scroll 11 which was chapters 40 verse 1 through chapter 48 verse 35 was relegated to the back of the volume as an appendix. So Ezekiel as the ambassador he delivered a provisional constitution, including the temple visions, a conditional offer of national restoration, which was contingent on both houses of Israel repenting, which they never did. So this was an interim constitutional offer, as I've said many times, until the time of Reformation, when the seed would come. And in chapter 43, verse 10, it states its purpose was to shame Israel into repentance. And Israel did not repent. So they don't get the third temple visions. They don't get that. That is now a constitutional offer that was rejected, that now... You cannot bring that forward and say, oh, that's going to be part of the future. It was rejected, thus null, and not now part of our prophetic future. Because Israel rejected this provisional, excuse me, provisional constitution and conditional offer. So its temple visions are of no, no future prophetical importance because of that rejection. 
So now what happens? Ezekiel delivers this 13th vision and it is a vision of judgment to the house of Israel that has rejected the promises of Yahuwah. They rejected them. Scroll 12, we saw last week, was the judgment of Egypt for aiding and abetting. And scroll 13 today is the priestly commission of judgment that's going to be discharged as rebellious Israel has rejected the constitution set forth. Now, the contortions that Bible commentators come up with to try and explain this 30th year is asinine to me. Oh, well, it was Ezekiel's 30th birthday. Oh, it was Ezekiel, he was a a priest in the 30th year. They do all of this mental gymnastics and theological gymnastics without addressing the plain sense of the text which states that this vision was given in the 30th year, meaning we are now right at the end of Ezekiel and the revelation of the 13th scroll. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, on the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, that I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened and I saw the visions of Elohim. Now we've got verse 2 and through, verse 2 and 3, excuse me, which is the descriptive docket. So we're going to skip that. We go right to verse 4. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself. Brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. So the theme of the final 13th vision, as I say, is one of judgment, then mercy, because Yahuwah's heart from the very beginning, from Bereshit, Genesis, the moment that the fall took place has always been a heart of what? Shuv, mercy, return to me, repent, shuv, shin, vav, bet, teshuvah is the word, the Hebrew word, and shuv, its root word, meaning to turn back towards the way you came. But in order for us to turn back from the way we came, we have to make a stand and turn our back on the things of this world. We're going to have to reject the world cycles if we're going to turn back to the cycles of Elohim. And this is where you and I find ourselves in this day, in this age. Because the majority of us, we got raised up in the Babylonian cycles of the world, in the Roman cycles of the world, where we chose or we were indoctrinated with the seven pagan months of the Roman and Greco gods, Januarius, February, March, so on and so forth. And in turn, we turned our back 
on the seventh day Shabbat, on the seven feasts of Yahuwah, on the seventh millennial vision that Yahuwah has for his remnant bride. So if we're going to get right with Yah, then we need to turn our back on the cycles that we were raised in and return, make Teshuvah and embrace the cycles of Yah, because this is the vision. What is a wheel? A wheel is none other than an instrument that rotates through a cycle, continuously rotating through a cycle, and that is the communication that now Ezekiel is getting from on high. Genesis 3 verse 19, in the sweat of thy face, shalt thou eat bread, till thou shuv, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. There's the theme from the very beginning of returning. So the covenant is with them whom shuv, return. Is the covenant with you? Is the covenant with me? Well, only if we return to the mountain to attain the covenant that will then grant us access back into the garden, the pre-full state, which is eternal life. Isn't that the goal of all of this? Look at Shuv, Teshuvah to return in the Bible. Isaiah Chapter 10, verse 22, it is written, For thou thy people Israel, who's Yahuwah's people? Israel, be as the sand of the sea, ye are a remnant. So Israel in the last days, the ones that do return, it's only going to be a small handful of you. It's going to be a remnant bride, a remnant flock of them shall return. The consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. Look at Jeremiah 3 verse 12. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith Yahuwah, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith Yahuwah, merciful, and I will not keep anger forever. What about Hosea chapter 14, verse 1? O Israel, return unto Yahuwah thy Elohim, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Finally, Micah chapter 5, verse 3. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then, when? Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. The overarching message is there's going to be a small group of people in the end of days that are going to seek righteousness. They're going to turn their back on the cycles of the world and return to the cycles of Yahuwah. They're going to be led by the principal shepherd. And because of that, They are going to be a righteous priesthood 
in the nations that will proclaim judgment upon those that have rejected Yahuwah, that have become reprobates. They've been given over to wickedness. There is no hope of salvation once you've become, Romans 1 tells us, a reprobate. And we live in a world now that is being turned over to that. And for us to even grasp this vision, we've got to take off our Greek or our Roman glasses. Because what, what was it the Greeks were always about? They were always about the body and the form. They weren't necessarily about the function. So the Greeks are focused on the form, the human body, the physique, or the, the structure and architect of their their Greco-Roman temples. So they were stuck on form and they neglect function. For us to really understand this 13th vision, we're going to have to forsake form and we're going to have to look at the function of what Ezekiel actually is seeing. And that is not how we were raised. And what is our society all about? What, what, what is Hollywood all, all about? It's all about form, is it not? Or oh, the outward beauty. Even the movies, they're, they're named after the pagan gods. We've got Thor, the muscular Thor, right? Of course, that's form. We've got Achilles. Again, you've got Brad Pitt playing Achilles, right? Form, focused on the form. Well, they're actors. Actor means a hypocrite. That's actually what it means. They're hypocrites. Why? Because they're reprobates. They've been given over to a form of godliness, yet they deny its power because the godliness that they're following is actually Luciferic. They're focused on a different form. They cannot function as delivered, redeemed individuals because they've been given over to a Luciferic, Luciferic excuse me, form Therefore, they deny and cannot function in the world the way you and I can. So it's a totally, totally different world that we're dealing with that focuses on form, not function. So we've got to be Hebraic and look at the function. Look at the function of the vision. Because I don't want us to get caught up in the New World Order way of looking at form because it messes with the clarity of prophetic vision. We have to lay aside form and put on our Hebrew glasses and focus on function. Function, not form, that's the vision. Substance, not stature, right? Does that make sense? So what's the best way of communicating returning back to something? Like I said, it's to shuv. Teshuvah to return. And the best way to communicate the function of returning, not the form, but the function is a wheel. A wheel, a return, a cycle. Round and round and round and round. And hence why we get into the vision and the function of the wheels. That's what we're going to look at now. So, skip down to verse 15. One wheel was upon the earth, verse 16, the appearance of the wheels and their works was like the color 
of beryl. As it were a wheel, take note of this, as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So we've got two wheels. You've got a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Look at verse 19. The wheels went beside the living creatures. The wheels were lifted together with them. We've got wheels and wheels and wheels. And we'd better understand wheels from a biblical perspective. Otherwise, what? Otherwise, we're going to have no more revelation than a bunch of dead, stinking rabbis. And that's not for us. So we better understand wheels from a biblical perspective, which is function, not form. So praise Yahweh that we have Yahushua and the Ruach HaKodesh so that we can even discern this stuff because I don't want to be learning and I don't want you learning from a bunch of dead rabbis because the ideas that they come up with are insane if you ask me. And I've read a lot of their stuff for my preparation and rejected most of it. So we're going to dig in a little bit. And remember, we covered the um, introduction of what I'm now doing in scroll 13 in the Wayback Machine. Do you remember when I taught James, the book of James, Yaakov, in um, chapter 3, verse 6? I actually mentioned this. You can go visit that in the Wayback Machine. But James chapter 3, verse 6, it is written, And the tongue is a fire, the world of iniquity among our members is the tongue. Oh, well, don't we know that? which defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the wheel of Genesis and is set on fire by hell. And setteth on fire the wheel of Genesis and is set on fire by hell. That's James chapter 3 verse 6. I mentioned this a long time ago, but what this says sets on fire the course, the better translation, sets on fire the course of our Israelite race that rolls on like a wheel. Now, in the Greek, it's written ton trokon tes genesis in James chapter 3 verse 6. Meaning, if You and I, if we can't control our tongue, think about this, if we can't control our tongue, we'll destroy our return to the Genesis cycle of covenants. The covenants that roll out from Genesis 12, they roll out to Genesis 15, they roll all the way through for 450 years, till Exodus chapter 19, the book of the covenant, like a wheel, and they set aflame our Israelite race that is gathered together at the foot of the mountain so that we can become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's what we're aiming for because that's what this vision ultimately wants to deliver to you and to me. Now, Was it not the tongue of the Israelite race that proclaimed this? Come, come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as of this Moshe, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, 
We don't know what happened to him. Didn't they say that? Wasn't it the tongue that proclaimed that? Then the tongue of Aaron, the tongue of Aaron replied, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So Israel, at that point, what did they do? They broke the cycle that was rolling out a cyclical wheel from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15, all the way through the 400-year-old promise to Exodus 19, the book of the covenant, to become a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And then they broke the cycle of the wheel by their tongue that set them aflame by the proclamation of the golden calf. Israel broke the cycle from Genesis. The wheels of the covenant came awry in Exodus 32. And how did Moshe actually respond to their folly? He set it aflame. He set it aflame. Now we understand James 3.6 even more, don't we? The tongue set on fire the Genesis cycle of our Israelite race that rolled out like a wheel and it burnt with the fire of hell. Now that has a lot more power and impact and this is what Ezekiel is proclaiming. Judgment. Look at the wheel that you have embraced. And by embracing that wheel, that form and function, you have denied the very creator's function in your life, which is a return to covenant. This is like huge. And we're only, we're only in a few verses, right? Let's dig in further because this, I, I know I'm excitable, but I've obviously been cycling through this all week and a lot longer than that. Return, make Teshuvah, repent. Return to Genesis, Bereshit, through the wheel, through the fires of life, through the fires that he's going to refine you and I through the fires. Return to the cycles, make repentance. It's a wheel, it's a cycle. These are the themes of the vision. Now, look at the word wheel a minute. I mean, this is amazing. The Hebrew word for wheel is ofan. Ophan. It's spelled Aleph Pei Noon. Now the Greek comes across as Trochos, Trochos, and you see that in James chapter 3, verse 6. So at this point, let's look at the Torah. I love to do this the Torah of first mention of a wheel, because this is going to be very powerful. It always is when you go to the Torah or the law of first mention. Exodus chapter 14. Verse 24. This is the law of first mention of a wheel. Now remember, we're talking about, are you going to go in the cycles of the world and follow the world system, the new world order, Egypt, Pharaoh, or will you repent and return back to Yahweh's cycles, his Shabbats, his feasts, his Moedim. There's seven cycles there with the millennial being the fruit at the end. Or we can end up and begin with the seven months of the pagan Roman year of which the world orders their cycles that you and I were born into, most of us. And he took off their chariot wheels and they drove them heavily. 
so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for Yahweh fighteth for them against the Egyptians. That's my testimony. That's your, I hope, your testimony. Yahweh has been fighting for me all my life. And I only honoured him and came into the recognition of that when I was in my 20s, which I've shared so many times before. But he was fighting for me even before I made Teshuvah. There's so many instances in my life where I should have died, where people next to me did die, where I was involved in activities that led to death. Yeah, I was preserved because Yahweh was fighting for me. He was fighting for you in your iniquity. And now how much more that we've made Teshuvah is he fighting for us? The power of Yahweh fighting for us in our redeemed life is amazing to me. Because here we find the first mention of a wheel in Exodus chapter 14, verse 24. And it says, Yahweh will fight for them against the cycles of the Egyptians which had enslaved them. Because a chariot wheel, think about this, a chariot wheel has a smaller wheel within a larger outer hub. And what would that mean? Well, the smaller wheel actually drives the outer wheel, right? And remember, the Hebrew word for wheel is ofan. Ofan, spelled aleph, pei, nun, means a wheel. Now, if you look at that, and I know some of you love to break this down in the, um, in the Paleo-Hebrew, and it's a great pictographic language. I used to do it a lot more in the past, but, you know, I know some of you still like to do that, and that's great. But let's look at this Hebrew word ofan for wheel and it's very descriptive in the paleo. It means if you bring all the words, the letters you know, the, um, the aleph, the pei and the noon to wheel you find the ability power to perpetuate his commands. That's what ofan means. The ability and power to perpetuate or live out his commands. Do you have the ability Do you have the power to live out his commands in a sick and twisted world? Well, in the book of Revelation, it says there will be a remnant that claim the name of Yahushua, the Messiah, that do that. They have the ability. They have the ability to perpetuate his commands. Yahweh fights for them to give them the power to be able to do that. Ability, Aleph, perpetuate life. You know, noon, it's like the fish. Perpetuate life to go forth. And commands, that's the pay. So what happened in Exodus chapter 14, verse 24? What happened with this first mention of the Hebrew word ofan, wheels, the cycle of things? Yahuwah took off their chariot wheels. And you're like, well, yeah, I know, it says that in the text. No, Yahuwah was ruining their cycles. He ruined the enemy's cycles. The first occurrence of Ophan, and the root of Ophan, you can dig into it even more, is pan, which means face, right? Why? Because faces usually are round. 
So the root of ofan is pan, where we get face or round, again, cycles, and eventually the, the Hebrew word panaim, a face. And now you know where I'm going. Look at Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 6. What do we see in this vision with the wheels? We see what? Faces will come into play because this is all part of the function of the vision. Yahweh says he's going to take out the cycles of those that are against him and he's going to restore the remnant back to his cycles in the last days, they then will qualify through the Messiah to be a royal kingdom of priests after the order of Malkitzedek, and they, as restored, and the remnant will proclaim judgment on the nations that refuse to return back to Yahuwah because they've been witched by these reprobates into the cycles of the world. Powerful stuff. Look at Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a network of silver. The Greek word here, trachon, wheel of Genesis. A word, if you will, fitly spoken upon his wheels. A word fitly spoken upon Yahuwah's cycles. So are we just speaking a word or are we speaking a word according to Yahuwah's cycles? That's the question. Is it a word that's fitly spoken? Because Bible words according to pagan Christian cycles of syncretism are not words fitly spoken. They're on the Roman or the Greco-Roman cycle of things. But then a Bible word according to the synagogue of Satan and their cycles, that's not a word fitly spoken either. So many of us, when we were taught the Bible, we were in a contemporary Christian church and the Bible word, was it spoken on Yahweh's fitly cycles? Well, no. It was spoken according to the pagan Roman traditions and their cycles. Therefore, it was not a word fitly spoken. And that's why so many of you were hungry and thirsty sitting in pews saying, like myself, there's got to be more, there's got to be more. Because the vicar, the pastor, was speaking words upon the cycles of syncretism. Now, many of you have got into the Torah and some of us have lost beloved ones to the synagogue of Satan because you got so into the Torah, you thought, oh, I'm going to dress up like a Jew and become a Jew and go into the synagogue of Satan and now you're listening to words which are upon the cycles of dead rabbis. Well, that's not fitly spoken either. Our English word, there's a fan down here in the bunker basement, right over there, and a fan, what does a fan do? Goes around and around and around and around. The word for fan actually comes from ofan, wheel, because a fan goes round in a cycle just like a wheel. Fan actually comes in our English, fan, from the Hebrew, ofan. Isn't that amazing? 
We've got to get out of this evolutionary thinking, which is this linear thinking that we were all trained in our religious beginnings, the milk. Because evolution, linear thinking, focusing on form instead of function, leads you into a luciferic trap because that's its origin. Whereas we want to be in the paths or the cycles of Yahuwah. Look at Psalm, one, um, Psalm 17, verse 4, it is written, As for the works of men, by the word of thy lips I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. See, we live in a day and age where Yahuwah is trying to keep us from the paths of the New World Order and the globalists. I mean, that's the reality of it. It's all around. If you can't see that through the media, you can't see that through um, Washington, D.C., you can't see that through what's going on in Europe, um, like I spoke last week, then I don't know what to tell you because the world is going to hell in a handbasket. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 15, it is written, Who are crooked in their ways and wayward in their paths? Now, the word here for paths is the Hebrew word agol, and it means cycles. Cycles. Are we going to walk in Yahweh's paths, his agol, his cycles, or are we going to walk in the paths, the cycles, the wheels of the world? The Greek word here that's used to translate that Hebrew word is trakan. Now, what does trakan sound like? Sounds like a track, right? What is it that an Olympic runner would do? They run around a track, round and around and around, in a cycle, in a cycle, in a cycle. A runner runs in a cycle around a track. The Greek word trakan is where we come, the translation from the Hebrew word, of course, a goal, a cycle, a path. This is just, I mean, this, this is great stuff. And this is just by getting a great couple of plug-ins in your e-sword, you know, or, or, or having a good Bible dictionary, a concordance, a lexicon. I know some of you like to use Blue Letter Bible. I personally, I like e-sword. You just want to make sure you get some really good plug-ins for the e-sword so that you can go back and you can use the Septuagint, the LXXC, and you can do all of the dictionary and the word searches. And you're just like, it's amazing. We have this technology that allows us to literally dig into the deepness of the word of Yahuwah through these great technologies. So we just have to be good stewards and use the technology in the cycles of Yahuwah, not use the technology for reprobate living, which is a lot of what a lot of people tend to do. So again, pause a little, getting a little parched down here. So... Um, that was um, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 15. Now, we were looking at the Greek word there, trachan, where we get the word track, because, of course, an Olympic runner runs around a track in a cycle. Or a goal, the Hebrew word a goal, spelled ayin gimel lamed, meaning a cycle, the paths, the cycles of Yahuwah. Actually, that word, agol, equals another Hebrew word, agel. And agel is the word for what? 
one of the words for an ox or a calf. Well, why? Because an ox would be tied to walk around in a cycle around the threshing floor. It, an ox would be tied to a gear and walk around the threshing floor, floor in a cycle, in a cycle. So therefore we have that threshing wheel, ox, it's the same word, agel, agol, ayin, gimel, lamed, the cycles of Yahuwah. Are we going to see oxes in this vision? So I hope you're starting to see, I know, I'm, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, and I'm, I mean, I must say, I mean, I do go on a little bit, so excuse me, but I'm just excited about this, and I've got a lot of visionary thinking that's all now compacted and coming forth in this teaching. So, you know, you might have to scrub it back a little bit after we've come off live and go, what did he say? Because there's a lot to unpack here, but I've been unpacking this for quite some time. Exodus chapter 32. They built the golden calf, an ox, an ox, agel, from agol, ayin gimel lamed. And what did they do? They chose another god's cycles and they forsook the cycles that had rolled out like a wheel from Genesis 12. They forsook the book of the covenant, the culmination of the wheel of Genesis that rolled forth, James 3, 6. They forsook that cycle of Yahuwah. He delivered them from the Egyptian cycles, but they forsook Yahuwah's book of the covenant cycle and they took on through an ox the cycles of the world. They forsook Yahuwah's cycles from the mountaintop. So you can see why Yahuwah's giving Ezekiel this very descriptive vision and we are not going to look at form. We're looking at function because we are going to get into the depth of what this vision really means and we're going to forsake the synagogue of Satan and their interpretation, a bunch of dead, stinking, reprobate rabbis. And we're also going to forsake the way of Romanism and Greco-Roman church theology because they don't unpack this any better. Firstly, they think it's chapter 1, when in reality this is the last vision in a cycle of visions that then is a dream state where you've got all of the thoughts of the vision that have come before now coming out in magnificent display of amber electron and that's where we're going next. Don't look at the form. Look at the function. The book of the covenant was choosing Yahuwah's cycles at the mountaintop. But whilst we're supposed to be choosing Yahuwah's cycles from the mountaintop, down in the valley of Exodus 32, where there was the calf, there was chaos, agel, a cycle in a calf, and they entered into the destroyer's cycle, man's cycle, which is the book of the law. So don't let the synagogue of Satan, these pretend fake Jews, try and lead you back into the book of the law and say, oh, it's Torah observance. 
They're fake Jews. They're the synagogue of Satan. And they're trying to entrap you in something which is a broken cycle. Because Yahweh foreordained his cycles from Genesis 12 to roll out like a wheel in its culmination at Exodus 19, the book of the covenant given. This is so important for us. Don't go off away from Yahuwah's cycles into the cycles of the synagogue of Satan, into the cycles of the destroyer, Jewish or otherwise. Please, please don't. And even if you're in the world, and I pray you're not, but we see this. We see this so often. The things that these backslidden believers want to do. What do they want to do? We all know them, right? They want to go and do sports. Well, I don't want to keep the Sabbath. You know, I've got my kid in soccer or my kid in this or whatever. You know, so they want, oh, I want to go play some golf. I don't want to keep the Sabbath. Oh, you know what? I'd rather just sit home and watch TV. What are all of those things? Golf, sports, watching TV. They're all cycles, right? They're all cycles. They, so they just get up and caught up in the cycles of the world. Whether they're sports or whatever. Monday night football. Oh, you're, you're addicted to Monday night. It's, and you watch it every single Monday night, right? It's a cycle. It begins to be a cycle in your life. All of the bad habits of the world, they will eventually become cycles. Gambling, whoring, drinking and alcoholism becomes a cycle in your life that eventually will lead you to destruction because you forsook the cycles of Yahuwah. So don't go off into the cycles of the destroyer because even the secular world has got its own cycles of sports, golf, TV, round and round and round. And some of us are like, oh really, we're having this conversation again? Around and around and around we go. If people aren't willing to change, then you and I, at least we change. Let us be the light But if people aren't personally willing to forsake the cycles of the world, we can just be a representative. That's all we can do, is be a representative of the cycles of Yahuwah. For as for me and my house, I choose to turn my back on the world, come with, and let's return unto Yahuwah and to his cycles. So, in Exodus chapter 32 What did they do? They rose up to play, to mock, to make sport of, to enter into their own cycles. But there's a better cycle. It's the cycle, like James says, that rolls out from Genesis. But we've got to be aware in this day and age that we live in because the New World Order is rolling out their cycles. It's a singularity cycle. It's the cycle of tech and direct energy weapons. It's a form of humanity. They're focused on the form of humanity, which will actually render them unable to function. Because the form of humanity that they are pursuing will actually enable them not to function within the creator's world. What do I mean? They're going to be so focused on this new form that they are going to be disqualified as reprobates and not able to 
function the way the Creator actually ordained humanity to function. They will not be able to function independent of the beast because they're going to transform themselves that their function will be dependent upon the beast, therefore making themselves reprobates. And that's the world that we're living in. We've got singularity coming in 2045. Already they're marrying machines with humanity, with tech. And we're seeing a change in the human genome through vaccination, through 5G that's coming out and the sterilization plans. We've got direct energy weapons, all of this. And people are being given over to a change in their form, the transgender thing. Oh my goodness. They're given over to a change in their form that will actually only allow them to function within the destroyer's cycles. The moment they try to return, it'll be too late because they have actually been given over to the destroyer's cycles. Therefore, as Romans 1 says, reprobate. Reprobate. Incapable of returning because they've denied the master and his glory. So we we really do need to be very, very, very aware of what's happening in the world and use the Bible as literally our roadmap to safety, security, through the Holy Spirit returning back to the cycles of Yahuwah. So a cycle, and to, to recap this thought, a cycle and an ox are the same Hebrew word because, of course, an oxen would tread the grain in a cycle tied to a threshing wheel. Now, the Shabbats, the feasts, are the cycles. And when, when you and I start practicing the feasts, we start practicing. We have to practice it. The Sabbaths. When we start to practice, at first it's kind of you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Should I sit in the dark and eat cold sandwiches? Um, what do I do? How do I keep the Shabbat? I mean, do you want to keep it like dead rabbis? No. So how do we keep the Sabbath? How do we keep the feast? How do we gather at the Feast of Tabernacles? How do we keep the Passover? But the more we do it, the more that cycle, that wheel makes a rut in our life. And that rut then lets the next generation travel down the cycles of Yahuwah way easier. It's like the Oregon Trail, right? You can still see the ruts of the Oregon Trail today because travelers would make the wheels, the cycles, and then people could follow after. So for me, that's been in the Torah um, keeping and covenant command keeping for over a decade, quite some time. And then I see other people that come in and they get it so much quicker because we have already put a well-worn rut in and that's what I hope for you. That you see that Torah to the tribes has put a well-worn rut of Book of the Covenant driving us now 
into the cycles of Yahuwah so that we won't get distracted with all of the synagogue of Satan, the paganism and all of the other stuff that they're teaching out there that distracts you from that direct access back to the mountain through the Malkitzedic priesthood. Because the Shabbats and the feasts, they are the cycles that wear a rut. And the more you do it, the more a part of your life it becomes. Back to our chariot wheel. Remember that was the law of first mention of the wheel, the cycle. The first mention we saw in Exodus of the chariot wheel is an inner wheel that then drives the outer wheel. So we've got two wheels even in our vision. First, in that chariot wheel, if you were to build a chariot wheel, what would you do? Well, you'd first, you'd have to establish the hub or the portal, if you will, and you'd then set the hub in place, the smaller wheel. What's the smaller wheel in Yahweh's economy? What rolls around a lot faster? The Shabbat. It's every seven days. That's the hub. You've got to first start with the Sabbath. If you're working, just take the Sabbath off. Just start with the hub. And it'll roll around quite fast every seven days. And then once you've set that hub, then you expand a little bit. Maybe you'll start looking at um, the feast cycle. That's the outer wheel. So at first we set the hub into place, which is the Sabbath. Then what we do is we start to work on the spokes. And there's seven spokes, the seven Moedim, or you can get caught up in the seven pagan months of the year in the Roman in another wheel. You choose the wheel. I'm going to choose Yahuwah's wheel. So then we've got the seven spokes, which are the seven Moedim that branch off of the Sabbath, that inner hub. Now, the spokes, what do the spokes do? Well, the spokes, they branch out and they connect us to the outer wheel. And what does the outer wheel do? The outer wheel actually touches the ground. Our walk, our halakha, it actually impacts other people. So the outer wheel actually touches the ground on which you and I walk. It's the end times final cycle which we'll walk out. We will walk out, not we'll walk out. Right? You see what I'm saying. But you have to have that hub first. And the Sabbath is the building block of the cycles of Yahuwah. Not until you have the hub and the spokes firmly set in place or established in your life and your family's life do you know the distance to the outside of the wheel right think about it if you're constructing that chariot wheel you have to set the hub in place the sabbath in your family you have to set the hub in place before you can even start comprehending the seven spokes the seven feasts of Yahuwah. And then when you start to actually keep the seven feasts of Yahuwah, then you can start to frame in and build that outer, outer wheel. The beginning from the end of the outer wheel. So you have to understand this end time cycle that actually rolls and affects your and my life. Because not until you have the hub 
and the spokes firmly set in place and established, do you know the distance around the outside of the wheel? So many people's prophecy is totally defunct because they don't understand and haven't even built the Sabbath in their life. They're not even keeping the seven biblical feasts. So how can you tell the distance of the outer wheel if you haven't built the hub and the spokes? You're guessing. But you and I, when we start to put Yahweh's cycles in our life, then we know the distance to the outer wheel. And that's the millennium, the outer wheel that's actually going to roll in to the last, last days, the beginning from the end of the outer wheel. You will know, you'll be able to discern, and so will I. Which is why I'm going to be jumping off of Ezekiel after a short break into the Minor Prophets, the book of Revelation, because it's all part of the outer wheel that's touching your life and my life in the days that we live in the 21st century. I'm utterly, utterly, utterly convinced. Utterly convinced. The Bible is alive and every man is a stinking liar. And the more that I'm in this, the more I'm just like, I don't know how much longer we all have. But I tell you, I want to make every day count for Yahweh. Now, if the hubs and the spokes are corrupt, then the whole wheel's corrupt. If the hubs and the spokes are corrupt, then the outside of the wheel, all of your timelines, all of your prophetic calendars, they're all going to be corrupt because you never set the hubs and spokes according to Yahweh's cycle. So the Catholicos, are they going to know what's going on with the end? No. Their cycles are still in syncretism. A bunch of dead rabbis. The synagogue of Satan, Luciferic realm and cycle. Are they going to know when the end times are and how the millennial is going to roll through into our lives? No, because they built it all by the traditions of the world, the cycles, the wheels of the world. The outer wheel, think about it, it's a lot slower, isn't it? That inner hub, that goes really fast. You're going to see this in the vision. The inner hub goes real fast. Shabbat, 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 Shabbat. But the outer wheel, that's a lot slower because the outer wheel is the 7,000-year plan of Yahuwah. That's what the prophets have been anticipating. And it's slower to roll out. The inner wheel is faster. It's the yearly cycles, the Shabbat, the Moedim. The commandments are returning, truly. That's what Yahweh wants. His commandments is all about returning to his cycles. And if you corrupt the inner wheel, will it affect the outer wheel? Of course it will. You won't be able to discern the times of Yahweh. The 7,000 year plan of Yahweh will be incomprehensible to you if you've corrupted the inner wheel. You'll be in a Greek or Babylonian cycle, the cycle of the world, the cycle of their gods, which is Luciferic, occult, new world order. Focusing on form, not function. Now, after all that, we're in verse 3. That's my attempt at humor. Verse 3. The word of Yahweh came express, expressly 
from Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land. I, I know a few people have been having a little bit more too much of the son of Buzi myself. So again, that's all being caught up in the wrong cycles. So we've got to be focused on Yahweh's cycles and not on the world's boozy, if you get what I mean. But in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the hand of Yahweh was upon him there. Now, Ezekiel, the, the English word Ezekiel, comes from the Hebrew word chazak. Chazak. And if you put a yod on the end of chazak, you have, what? Yechezkel. Yechezkel meaning the hand of Yah is on the end times. The hand of Yah is on the end times, which is why I think it's so important that Ezekiel and the 13 scrolls be delivered in these days and times, because I believe we are living in the end times. And Yah's hand is what strengthens us. And looked, verse 4, and see a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire flashing itself. Now, the last time, the last time we saw the cloud and fire was where? Was back at the Exodus, which is a remez or a hint. And splendor was around it, and out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of fire. So look at verse 4. Now, amber... You can look it in, in your concordance. In the Greek, the Greek word here for amber is electron. Electron. The Hebrew word is hajmal. Hajmal. And it's a contraction between two Hebrew words. Chaz, which means to be silent, and malal, which means to then speak. So what you've got is a cycle of being silent and then speaking, being silent and then speaking. And that's how a wheel actually operates. Silence, then speaking. And we see that between the prophets. There's a time of silence, and then a prophet comes along saying, return, return to the cycles of Yahweh, speaking, and then there's silence again. And then another prophet comes along and speaks and says, return, return, return unto Yahweh. And then there's silence again. And then, do you see what I'm saying? This is the whole theme throughout Scripture. And this is how wheels operate. Silence, then speaking. Silence between prophets. Israel's darkest stays. And then speaking the words of the prophet. And even myself, I've had to learn Hashmel, Hashmel, how to be silent and when to speak. There's a time and season for it all. And sometimes, you know, I used to speak all the time. Sometimes I've learned now just to be silent. Because if people aren't willing to hear and change their lives, you speaking into their lives, they're not going to hear you. So just be silent. And when that wheel comes around and gives you opportunity to speak where maybe somebody can actually receive it, then speak. Times to speak and times to silence. Hashmel. And that's a contraction of the two, two Hebrew words. Has to be silent and malal then to speak. Exactly how a wheel operates. Now think about the silence between Second Chronicles 36 and the book of Matthew before John the Immerser began speaking. There was hundreds of years of silence in that cycle. Now the word electron, the Greek word electron, which is where we get in our English amber, it grew out of the Greek because 
what they would do is they would take this amber stone and they would rub fur over it and it would produce an electrical charge. So you can see the word building progression right there. And, and, and look at an atom, for instance. An atom, the electron and negatron, is the one doing all the action outside the nucleus of the atom, the one that carries a negative charge. It's a constant moving thing, isn't it? You see how this builds? Now, now the dead rabbis, they say, well, this is of uncertain... Um, we're not sure where this word comes from, you know, is it an angel? Maybe it's a mystery concerning the person of Elohim. Probably it means bronze or a, a polished spectrum of metal, amber. But we can just look at its function and we can now, through our word building and our lexicons and our concordances or using Esword like I like to, you can start to break this down. I mean, you can trip out on it too, which I often like to do as well. I mean, we can get into Star Trek and Captain Jean-Luc Picard and David Icke. And very quickly here, this amber form of amber comes to an electrical charge that leads my mind into thinking about spaceships and stargates and mysterious, mysterious flashing lights that we can see in the news oftentimes. And, and then the next thing you know, I start to read the Bible and I see eagles that become airplanes. And then I can start to trip out on an oxen. And all of a sudden, that oxen becomes a vehicle and then lions become military vehicles and then the men behind them driving them and, and then we end up all Greek again because we focused on the form instead of the function. It's kind of exciting to do that but we can't, we can't go there. Okay, Stargates and Captain Jean-Luc Picard and UFOs and everything. No, no, let's go back to the function of the amber electron and we'll start to see the revelation come forth. Again, it's very easy to go to the form and neglect the function. Because the function is based upon the Hebrew language. And the function is concrete. And it is a surety of leading us back into the cycles of Yahuwah. Into the cycles of Yahuwah. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, Eliyahu, Elijah, went up in an electron, a whirlwind with Captain Jean-Luc Picard. No, but you know what I'm seeing? There I go again, focusing on the form, not actually the functions. No, this isn't about, I know you'd like it to be, this isn't about reptilians and then Anunnaki and shapeshifters. But, I think that's enough for today because I've delivered a lot of information in just four or five verses. But I think this is a good start for us to see because I could start getting really apocalyptic if I go down this course focusing on the form. I could start to think about harp and the flat earth and Antarctic portals and the Saudi monarchy, and the connection with the British monarchy, and, and the Euphrates connection. And then I go into reptilian shapeshifters in Washington, D.C., and it's all charged by 5G amber electrons, and, and then I won't get any sleep. And you all think I'm mad. But you think that anyway, because we're all mad for Yahweh together as we focus on the function of his word, returning us back to the cycles of Yahweh. But in reality... 
there's another plan going on. Whilst we're planning our walk and our return back to Yahuwah through his cycles, back into the Malkit Zedek priesthood, there's another plan. And it's singularity 2045. Well, they are focusing on the form because they are looking to function in a satanic, luciferic world. The new world order are trying to change the form of humanity. They're trying to change the form of humanity, the form of humanity's history through the electron and energy and mutilation and re-education and the trans agenda, 5G, direct energy, vaccinations and the importation of technology into the human body. They're trying to corrupt the form to change the function over to the cycles of the new world order globalist which is luciferic in its origins which will in turn which will in turn make those of the human race whose form has been changed reprobates you don't come back from that you don't come back from that once you change the form you can no longer function in the economy of Yahuwah. You become a reprobate. You're unable to shuv, teshuvah, to repent and return to Yahuwah's cycles. Don't you see they are killing these people in soul? Not just body, but in soul. They're unable to return. They become reprobates. They will not be able to function outside the beast system because they took on a corrupted form. And now they can barely function in the world without all of their medication, vaccinations and illumination. But Yahweh is raising up you and me, a priestly remnant, to pronounce judgment on a society that has rejected the Creator's form and taken on a luciferic function of opposing all that is decent. And prepare. And prepare as it rapidly, rapidly approaches. Because Yahweh is increasing my awareness. He's increasing your awareness. And He's increasing your power and my power. And if at this point you're checking out, it's because you're looking into the cycles of the world and you think us devout Bible believers are crazy. You're crazy! You're in the cycles of the world and it's occult and luciferic. This is reality. This is reality. So for me, yes, I'm excited because I have never felt more alive and more empowered by the word of Yahuwah and the power of His Holy Spirit. And I can see that so many of you are getting it as well. We must be able to function within Yahuwah's realm and kingdom because that is where our salvation is. In Yahusha, Yahusha alone. 
Next week we will get past the first four verses and we'll dig further in. I pray Yahweh bless you. I pray Yahweh keep you. I pray Yahweh's face would shine upon you and be gracious unto you and that Yahweh would lift up his countenance upon you and above all grant you shalom in the mighty name of Yahusha. Thank you all out there for your support, your continual support, your prayers for this ministry. Remember to come and join us at the three pilgrimage feasts, the cycles of Yahweh. And remember, Yahweh is a fire and he will protect you, guard you and lead you in his cycles of righteousness. Shabbat Shalom. Yahuwah's blessings.